podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. G'day, I'm Mitchell Johnson, and for 10 years I bowled fast for Australia. Knocks him over with pace. What a start for the Aussies. For 10 years I had batters shaking in their boots, but I did so without always feeling comfortable in my own shoes. Brian's going to have to go. Mitchell Johnson's on fire. For the outside world, I came across as a fire-breathing dragon with ball in hand. On the inside, I was battling my own demons without always getting to talk about it. But now I'm retired, my left arm can't do the talking for me, so I've decided to open up and talk for real. So let's do this. In comes Mitchell Johnson now. This is the Mitchell Johnson Cricket Show. You're listening to the Mitchell Johnson Cricket Show. I'm Bharat Sundaresan and I am here with uh, Mitchell Johnson. Uh, Mitch, how are you doing? Uh, what's happening? You're on the verge of leaving somewhere, I, I hear. Yeah, uh, good to see you, Bharat. It's, um, yeah, it's a nice day here in Perth, but I'm, I'm heading up, up north to do some speaking gigs. I've been going into the mine sites and, and doing some stuff there, uh, just talking pretty much about my career, talking about teamwork, resilience, uh, bit of mental health stuff, the self-doubt kind of thing as well, um, and how to deal with, with all those issues that come along throughout life and in your career as a, as a cricketer. But yeah, it's been really interesting and, and really exciting to be able to go and um, and do these talks. Um, yeah, it's something that oh, I never thought I would see myself doing. And look, I'm in a great position to be able to do it. I've got it some good experience i've got some good stories hopefully and uh you know the feedback so far has been really good and it's are you okay week as well so um it's another reason to sort of be going up there and talking to these people uh, that are on site and they obviously go through a fair bit it's great to go up and see what these miners um, or our miners in this country uh, are doing and how they i guess they live um you know the fly in fly out kind of stuff and um, you know being away from family and friends very similar to uh, when I was playing cricket you know you're, you're flying away and um, being away missing lots of you know birthdays and, and weddings and, and different things along the way so yeah uh, it's it's been really exciting for me to be able to participate in it. And you've been doing it for uh, a couple of months now like, and it must be different speaking to a bunch of guys like you said yeah I mean there are similarities with uh, some similarities with, with their lifestyle yeah. or just uh, work routines, but to a bunch of people who who did not play professional sport, uh, but are still in such a physical occupation or physical profession uh, and who are away from home for long periods as well. Yeah, definitely. I mean, there are like those similarities, um, but there's also, yeah, there's not, um, you know, the I guess the, the hard work of, of going into a mine site uh, would be it's extremely tough and um, you know I've had some friends I actually had a friend that um, he worked at a coffee shop and similar similar age to me and decided that he wanted to get out of the, that industry he'd been doing it all his life since he left school and, and went up into the mines and, and I guess the the big thing is is money and it's obviously you get paid quite well uh, but it's the stuff that comes with it, like I said, the the missing 
uh, family things. It's the travel, uh, the day in, day out kind of things. They're twelve hour shifts, I think. Um, you know, so you see being up there on the site and, and watching people come in and out between shifts, um, and and you can just see how tiring it looks. And and then yet living situations very very different to what you are at home. It's um, you're in a little box and. Um, it's just very different, but it's a it's a great experience to to see. But he, my friend, he works on big trucks. He's become like a, I guess like a, I don't know if it's a diesel mechanic or or what it is, but he he works on big trucks and it's changed his life. But also speaking to him recently, you can tell that it's it becomes that same same sort of day in day out type of thing. You you're traveling, you're two on or two off or or whatever swing you have. It could be a, a two weeks on one week off or, or whatever it may be but he's two and two I think and you can see that it, it's quite tiring and sometimes he'll be home and he doesn't know what to do um, because his partner will be working and then he's got to figure out things to do so you'll, you know do stuff at the house but there's only so much you can do so um, yeah it's it's all very interesting and I, and I love hearing different stories that the speaking gigs that I have done I've been probably doing it for about I'd say eight months yeah, I always find that after I speak, I'll go and sit at the back of the room. There'll be an auction that goes with these speaking gigs. There'll be an auction like of sports memorabilia. I will sit at the back with people and just start talking and, and you get some very interesting stories and, and just get a feel for people. And yeah, it's it's been um it's been eye opening for me and, and something that I've actually really enjoyed. There's one thing speaking to a crowd of people about uh, stuff that you went through, stuff that potentially they could relate with, uh, even though they're doing something really different. But the fact that you go and then sit at the back and just have uh, some some private chats with them. Uh, is it all part of that process, Mitch, where the more you talk about yourself, the more you know about yourself, not just with people who know you like family or, or friends or even me, uh, but people who you really are going to meet just once in your life? Yeah, I, I find that it's... Um... It's just easier, I think, to talk to strangers and and people you don't know, and and it's really odd that it's that way because you'd sort of think, oh, it'd be easier to just talk to your family and and friends, and and sometimes it's just not. So whether it's you feel ashamed or you just don't want to open up, I don't know what it is. I, I've definitely become more comfortable. I talk to my friends daily, uh, whether I see them down at the coffee shop or, or wherever. I'm very very open now, but. I find that when I, I go to these mine sites or, or do speaking gigs, I'll sit down the back, have a chat, and it's it's just really casual. It's just normal, and that's I think how I like it as well. It's just normal. This is just everyday life. Things happen in life, and some things aren't great, and some some things are. It's but it's just I think talking and opening people up and seeing their situations and understanding that. You know, we're not alone in this. It's something that's very big in our country uh, and worldwide, uh, the mental health side. And and even if it's not talking about mental health, it's just having a conversation. And I think that people feel good. I feel good when I have these conversations, um, whatever it may be, um, whether, like I said, it is about mental health or whether it's just about cricket. You know, you can see people um, just love sitting down and having a chat. You speak about the being alone part quite a bit, Mitch, uh, and it's something that you really worked on. Uh, we've spoken about this affair as well, where you consciously worked on being more open uh, with Jess, your your wife, yeah. uh, and, and just with your friends. 
if if you look back at your career, uh, you know we we know about the the success side of it. Uh, we also do a, know a little bit about the the failure side of it. It was pretty public. Uh, there were a couple of Ashes series, one in particular where you did struggle. But the loneliness that comes yeah. with being a professional athlete, how much of that impacted your mental health? I mean, obviously you didn't know it then, but now when you look back at it in in hindsight, because you've learned so much more about what all you've gone through and what you continue going through. I recently spoke about this actually, and uh, and I guess I'm able to sit back and reflect, like you say, and and, and I've learned a lot since I've retired from cricket. Uh, a lot about myself and, and yeah, this recent speaking engagement I had, I, I spoke to a few people. Me going back to my room after a day's play was always one that I had to be aware of because it depended on how I was feeling. If I had a, a bad day or a perceived bad day by, you know, the press or the fans or or in my own head and if I went back to my room and sat in there and started to sort of think about it and then start to get on the internet and start reading things, that's when I found myself get into a bit of a deep hole. And I look back and I knew there was times when I needed to get out of my room and go to the team room or go and have a, a meal with the guys, go have a you know a coffee, do whatever, just get out of my room, out of my own headspace and go and speak to, to mates and be around good people. I felt myself at times get into that hole and and I knew what I needed to do. I just I just couldn't get myself out because I don't know if it was embarrassment. I don't know if it was I didn't want to be seen um, because you feel like you're looked at by everyone. Yeah, I, I definitely went through that throughout my career and and learnt a lot from it. And it wasn't like I said until you're able to sort of sit back and reflect on it more. And and the more I speak about it, the more open I am about it, the the better I feel about it. And I can pass on my knowledge of what I went through um, it's not saying that it's going to work for everyone but I feel like it's one of those things that I think majority of people it's going to help when you get into that mindset and that really bad those really bad thoughts that come in and you start self-doubts and um, you go down that rabbit hole of thinking like that yeah I think it's best to get out of that and and go and keep yourself get yourself busy um, whether it, maybe you like gardening Go and do some gardening or go do something that you love doing. It can be easier said than done. But I think if you can be open and understanding of it, of that situation, then I think it, it definitely helps. Let's take an example. You've had a bad day on the field. Uh, you go back to your room and then you get these negative thoughts. Like, you know, you feel yourself getting into that black hole. Are you aware that maybe there is a mental health element to it or is it just hey i mean you know i'm an athlete i'll have good days i'll have more bad days and good days all those cliches and it's just one of those it's just a phase i'll i'll get through this and tomorrow i'll be fine yeah um, it's a pretty good question because it's something i've thought about a lot and i think there's both elements to it i think as an athlete you go through those ups and downs that's natural it's it you know, because we're performance-based and, and we're so hard on ourselves as well. We want to perform and do our best and, and not let the team down and not let your, let your country down in that situation. So uh, it, it is sometimes it feels like it's, it's sports-related. But then I look back and I go, definitely there's that mental health side of it. It had to be. And yeah, because I wasn't diagnosed with depression until later on after, after cricket. So uh, for me... 
I always felt like there was something there, but I just felt like cricket masked that side of it. Yeah, it was difficult at times because I remember plenty of times when, like I said, I'm su- I was such a hard marker on myself and I wanted to do the best that I could for the team. And, and there'd be moments where I felt like I did a good job for the team, but I didn't get the results wicket-wise. And I'd go back to my room and, and start that self-doubt and then I'd start reading things and I really did find it tough to deal with. You start to self doubt is probably the is the word. It really is, and that has an impact then on your on your game, and especially in a test match when you, you know, you, you've only just started the match and maybe it's the first innings and you've got another innings to go. You have to get yourself out of that really quickly because you don't want to have that thought process. You don't want to be negative. You need to be positive. You need to be confident. So I definitely battled with that throughout my career. It probably wasn't until the back end, the last few years, where I became probably a bit more aware of all that and understanding of it. I don't know if not caring about what the perception of me was. You're always going to have bad days. I think I accepted that more and was understanding of that a lot more at the back end of my career. But I felt a lot more confidence and a lot more belief in my ability and knew what I was doing and what it was for the team. And I just trusted that and I backed it. And having some good people around me as well, like Jess, like Dennis Lilly, uh, Troy Cooley, um, you know, I had plenty of people. But yeah, just having good people around just to be that support uh, was very helpful. And I, I was able to block out all the outside noise. And Speak about feeling negative. I mean, getting those self-doubts. I mean, that it's it's natural that it'll happen um, on, on a day as any performer. I mean, whether you're playing sport, you're, you're a musician, or at times even with what we do, uh, you it's almost a reaction. It's a response to that, right? I mean, different people deal with it differently. Some people are blessed to be able to just brush it off. But most athletes, most performers like you, start coming in their own way of success. And Shane Watson, a really good mate of yours, has written a beautiful book about this, uh, just the mental side of uh, being successful and not being successful in sport. And he often talks about how you can get in your own way uh, on, on that path to success. Other times you can recall when it was the other way around, where it was your mind kind of uh, not playing ball with you, if that makes sense, where you're there at the top of your mark and you're like, what's going on? Like, why am I not able to, whether it's focus or just get into that positive mindset while you are out there on the field with that white line fever? Yeah, well, I think people listening in will find this interesting that it's actually uh, performance-wise, it's probably a handful of times in my career that you go, I felt like I was in the zone, like everything was clear, uh, I had no doubts, uh, all that kind of stuff. But then the rest of it, most of your career, you're fighting that. So like you said, that's very normal. It's just how do you overcome that? And I guess it's it's difficult because everyone's so different. Um, like I'm an overthinker. So it was about what I found worked for me was, was singing the song in my head, having a song to distract my mind from what I was trying to overthink about or... I guess, and, and, and when I used that song, it was when I was walking back to my mark uh, from finishing bowling a ball or, or I'd speak to someone who was at mid-on or mid-off, one of the bowlers there and just have a bit of a laugh and, and just try and relax my mind. And then once I got to the top of my mark, I had to be clear on what I wanted to do, knew what ball I wanted to bowl and then just back it. So it was really, it's really simple when you, you break it down, I guess. 
but it's not simple at the time when you're going through it. So if you're struggling and your mind's going crazy, but this is the thing. This is what cricket taught me. You have to go through these experiences to learn how to deal with that that kind of thing and how you're going to be able to cope with it. So I remember actually Glenn McGrath had spoken about having a song in his head when he was playing and it's something that I actually used to do when I was younger. When I was, I think when I was playing tennis but also when I first started playing cricket, I used to have a song in my head. Whatever song it was, it could have been a, a heavy metal one or it could have been something that I just heard on the radio, anything. So I naturally used to do that. I found that once I become, I guess as, as you go up, in levels of, of the game, you know, up to first class level, you start to get a bit more pressure and then obviously Australia A and and then you're playing for Australia. So the pressure builds, but you put that pressure on yourself because ultimately you don't have to change anything skills-wise. You've, you've been picked to play for your country because of what you've done, but it's, it's all up here. It's all in your head. And that's another thing that we've all spoken about is that the game is probably 80% in your mind because... You look at all the players around the world in world cricket, everyone is very similar when it comes to skills. You might have a couple of standouts here and there, you're like A.B. de Villiers or a Virat Kohli or a Steve Smith, but ultimately everyone's got very similar skills. That's why you're playing at the top level. It's, it, it comes down to your mind and if you haven't got it, you know, got yourself switched on there and, and, and know what you want to do and, and how you're going to deal with the good and the bad, I guess, um, then you're going to struggle. So... Yeah, it's um, it was a massive learning experience for me going through that, and and something that I loved. <laughs> I hated it at times, obviously, but it's just all part of learning. It's all part of life, and uh, that's something that I was um, able to, I'm able to use now, like moving forward in life as well. Yeah, on that note, we'll we'll take a quick break while I try to figure out what uh, song it was that you were humming in in your <laughs> head, uh, and and we'll come back with it. You're listening to the Mitchell Johnson Cricket Show where Mitch is just about to tell us uh, what song he was humming in his head when he was running in uh, during that 2013-14 Ashes and why it was uh, Seek and Destroy by Metallica. Seek and Destroy by Metallica. Yeah, it should have been, uh, but it was Frozen. Um, let it go. Really? And the reason why was my daughter, um, I think she's about three at the time, somewhere around that age, she was into Frozen. And it was played that many times at home and, and whenever we travelled, she had it, you know, it was on repeat and um, it just stuck with me. And it, what I liked about it was it distracted my mind, but it made me happy as well. So I was very happy, even though my face may not have looked happy, but um, it made me happy. It, it gave me good vibes and um, and it sort of made sense as well. Let it go, let the ball go. Like it felt like... I don't know. It felt like a fireball, not an ice ball to me. So, yeah, no, that was my song. And it's it's quite funny because I remember using it for the first time when I went to England for the one-day series before that 13-14 Ashes series. And I tested it out. And I remember being in Ed- Ed- Edgebaston and it was quite vocal there. And I went down to fine leg. Yeah. And I was like, all right, I've got to test this out now, you know, like just because I'm copping it from the fans and... And the Barmy Army are singing there, balls to the left, balls to the right. So they had the song on my head and I'm just smiling to myself. I must have looked like a goose in some ways. 
but I'm just like got this big smile on my face and everyone's given it to me but I I was happy because I was singing this song in my head. It is an uplifting song I'll give you that much. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's very catchy. Well there you go. I mean I'm sure it felt like you were humming Seek and Destroy if you were Jonathan Trott or Graham Swan or Alistair Cook or whoever else was facing you during that series well, I think, but I think uh, Metallica and like Pantera and like Slipknot and Slayer all those kind of bands were in my mind when I was younger. Um, when I first went to the Cricket Academy, I had the Slayer shirt on, I think it was. Uh, and, you know, the album covers were pretty pretty brutal. So, um, yeah, I, I actually remember Damien McKenzie was my first roommate there. Uh, this is before the Australian Under-19s tour. And I just rocked up. I had an undercut and long hair down to here and the Slayer shirt on. And, and he thought I was going to stab him. <laughs> he, he, I've knocked on the door to go in and he's like, oh, what are you here for? <laughs> uh, I didn't look like a cricketer, but uh, yeah. I don't look like a journalist. We make this work, Mitch. That's what we do. <laughs> exactly. Just on those difficult days out there in the middle, is, is there, are there some days that, that stand out more to you where uh, where he just weren't in control uh, and, and before we come to that one thing you do speak about a lot uh when you say that you started feeling more in touch with yourself toward the the latter half of your career is understanding your emotions but was there was there is there a moment you can recall from uh say before then uh your younger days or your uh you know the 2009-10 period where uh you just weren't in control you didn't know what was happening to you out there and you felt a little lost yeah, through th- through two thousand and nine to two thousand and eleven, before I had my toe injury, was it was a really bad period, and it just wasn't consistent. I mean, I had good performances here and there, um, but there were a lot of bad performances in between that. So it was never consistent. I could never back it up. So uh, I I really was in my head that whole time through that series, and it. I guess it sort of started in 09 in the Ashes series in Cardiff and there was a fair bit going on and once I was in my head I just couldn't um, get out of it and you know no matter what other people were saying like Ricky Ricky was really good Ricky Ponting at the time being the captain and he was just giving me the ball at every opportunity he was backing me even though like I wasn't backing myself so I think he was trying to you know show me that he was confident in me but I was too far gone and I I really needed to get away from the game Um, and it was like like I've I've said in the book, um, Resilience, uh, I actually wanted to get injured so I could get away from the game and and just freshen my mind up and and start all over again. Um, That was the only way I found that I could, could do it. So once you're in that in that system once you're playing for your country and at that period of time there was a lot of cricket being played so there was not much breaks in between uh tours or, or series um you didn't get much time to really sort of celebrate a series as well it was sort of move on to the next one so you you never had that real downtime to to i guess reflect on things and and talk about it and then move on so i was just holding everything in and it was the worst yeah it was a pretty pretty ordinary period and i I look back and I have, you know, I'm a bit embarrassed by it, but I'm also not ashamed of it. It's it's part of my career and uh, it was part of a learning experience as well. I've always said that it's, I don't regret it. I don't regret that period of my life um, or my career, uh, but I learned so much from it and I was able to um, be able to do what I did in 13, 14 and, and onwards. I, I mean, I had to 
really take a break from reading your book when I read that part because injuries are one thing that every everyone dreads but especially professional athletes like yourself that's one thing you never want in your life yeah. but there you were wanting one in a way yeah, uh, was, that kind of tells you where you were yeah i was wishing it upon myself and it was uh, actually paddy cummins' first test um so it was we were able to win that match which was which was amazing michael clark wanted to pull me off the field because i i'd done my toe and I think uh, physio ran out, Alex Contouris, and gave me, I think I had, I don't know if I had a painkiller or um, what it was, but something to help with the pain. Because I thought a, a spike had gone through my, my boot, uh, but it was my toe. I'd, you know, snapped the ligament and broken a bone in the in the big toe of my left foot. And I wanted to keep out there because I think we had, Nathan Lyon was the next in and that was it. So... And it was like South Africa where the bull ring, Johannesburg, and, and it's, you know, getting dark and we're pretty close to, to winning, but it's like on nice edge and both teams are going at it. And um, I've taken a massive swing at one and that over finished and, and the physios come back out with the, the 12th man and apparently the message was uh, from Michael Clark, if you're not going to play properly, come off the field. And so I didn't really like that, and I, I said a few choice words back, um, <laughs> and I stayed out there and uh, decided to, to to knuckle down, and and we won the game. So Paddy Cummins hit the winning runs, yeah. And um, I think he got he got a five for. He did. Yeah. Uh, what did he get? Seven seven overall, or or so more? I think he did get seven 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 or eight. He got a few. Yeah. Yeah. So that was a great moment um, to be out there for that. But uh, I also remember during that game, I came off a short run. And Craig McDermott was the bowling coach at the time. And um, now massive respect for him as well. Uh, he was just, I think he was struggling to sort of deal with what I was going through. I think he uh, was trying his best and he made a few suggestions. He suggested maybe come off the short, maybe come off your short run. And um, because I'd done it in the nets for so long in my career, I'd always been able to do that and bowl like good pace and, and probably a bit more accurate and came off a short run and I was that's probably one thing I regret is actually coming off my short run in a in a test match because from the outside it doesn't look great um, but it just goes to show where I was mentally I was just I was really struggling and, and like I said I just wanted to get injured so I could get out it's, no, why Why did you eventually have to come off the short run it was just, just a pain or you just wanted to be out there no no so no, it was because I was bowling absolute rubbish and I, I just had no consistency uh, and I just didn't know what to do. And I thought, well, if I come off my short run, I know I can do it in the nets and, and I'm a lot more consistent. Um, my pace is still pretty good, but yeah, it was just, it was because of where my head was at. I was just absolutely nowhere. And um, yeah, I think I, I came off the short run for a few overs. I'm not sure. Uh, but yeah, I don't really remember that bowling innings. I actually just more... The moment I remember was the end when we batted and I had the injury and yeah, and that was sort of it. Again, right? It tells you everything you need to know about uh, how much of, I mean, we hear that cliche all the time, cricket gets played in between the years, but where your brain takes you when things aren't going your way, right? From from the short run to you wishing uh, an injury upon you. But was there like one, like the darkest day, if, if at all, like that stands out where you just felt like, not like you wanted to give it up, but you just felt, you know what, 
what's happening like i, I am in i'm in the deep dark hole while i'm playing out there in the middle well that was one of them that was probably up there with the most odd felt uh in that dark hole but then there was just moments throughout i think uh 2010 at the gabba uh bowling that first innings uh got absolutely pumped um alistair cook and was it strauss i think um just getting cut pulled driven off the leg everywhere i could not bowl the ball straight i was blaming it on the um my back leg and not being able to get up on the the pitch had like a bit of a slope that went up and with my action like i just wasn't strong enough to get over my leg and all this kind of stuff and that was on my mind the whole time i wasn't focused on what i was trying to do how i was trying to get someone out so there was all these excuses in my head um and it was just it's awful when you're out in the middle and you can't can't get it right and you've got people watching and you're letting your team down and you know it's 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 a really bad feeling especially that team feeling like because I've always played for the team always enjoyed that part of it and you never want to let the team down because it's I mean you've all got a role to play and I wasn't able to play my role um so yeah it was it was disappointing and it's hard when you I I actually can't watch the footage of that that kind of stuff I, I really yeah it it had a massive effect on me so um i mean i don't need to watch it because it's <laughs> why would Please why would i want to watch me getting pumped around the ground exactly, but um yeah. <laughs> yeah it's um yeah that was probably a pretty yeah that was a pretty dark moment as well um but there's been a few moments like that there was definitely a few moments like that in my career around that 09 to sort of 11 Yeah, that's the beauty of being an Indian cricketer, though. They never show matches for India haven't done well. Huh? At least not yeah. in, not not on Indian television. I've seen in Australia. No, they yeah. don't. Yeah, in, yep. in Australia, they're a, a little more generous with that. Uh, uh, but again, right? Like you speak about feeling that way while you're out there in the middle, but just being that a genuine quick someone who's in the side to be the enforcer. So there's that bit of machismo that comes with it as well. Uh, yeah. and then to feel vulnerable this i mean yes you want to be out there with your teammates at the end of the day but i'm sure like you said you feel a little embarrassed or you don't yeah. know how much you can uh give them as well right how much you can open up as well well it's even like as a fast bowler and and i had to understand it but i was going to go for runs at times because you are bowling fast yes it can be an advantage but also be a disadvantage um if you get it slightly wrong it's you know easier to just get a bit of bat on um and it and it feels like when you're in those situations luck's not on your side as well like a, an edge will go flying over the top of the slips or just wide i've had you know a couple of catches were dropped in those periods as well and it, when you have those catches dropped it just drops your confidence especially early on in a match when you you're trying to get that first wicket just to get everything going get your confidence feel good um and be happy so um but that's just that's just the game in the end and and you you take the good with the bad and um uh, like i said it was not a pleasant experience but it was a great learning experience um and yeah like i was able to work on those things when i was out of the game which was really good i was able to work on the physical side of things which i need cuz i'd lost a fair bit of weight as well i think i got down to about 89 88 kilos at the end of that south africa tour when i before i got injured which my playing weight was about 93 94 kilos so that's a lot of weight to lose and um yeah that was definitely played its part as well physically but yeah mentally i had a lot to work on and 
at first, I just got away from the game completely. Like I had no choice because I was in a, a, a brace with my foot. But um, for about, I think, the first month or so, did not miss cricket one bit. Um, just wanted to have a bit of a life um, with, with at home and and just, yeah, um, sort of sort out myself mentally and, and physically. And then, yeah, the process sort of begun where I was able to source out a few different options i went to the mill gym in perth and the ex-sas guys and uh, worked on a program there and just sort of got that tough mentality and resilience and uh, the belief i guess as well um, and then yeah just the physical physical aspect of of you know the way i trained was a bit different like i'd train when i was really really tired and, and you know physically tired and then um, do stuff when I was fresh and I, I just mixed up my training completely to get myself in all different situations that when I got to a match like a test match I was prepared for anything so um, it was just a good period just to be able to do all that and and I look I, I definitely needed it otherwise my career would have been yeah would have been over yeah oh exactly yeah I mean the, the incredible comeback that you made from there but at that point in 2011 it could well have been over and everything looks so different right but yeah and i guess even going through that nine through oh nine to about 11 uh that was times in my mind where i'm like i hope they just drop me i just need to be dropped like because it's not like you're going to turn around and say to selectors they've picked you in a, in a squad oh i don't want to play i've i'm not gonna i'm not gonna play for my country it's like you, you don't do that like it's another opportunity like you just hope that I think in those situations I was hoping that you know fresh start you know a new series I've got a new opposition I'll be able to work on on getting myself right but ultimately it's it's pretty hard to work on technique mind physical and all that kind of stuff when you're trying to play in a game to win when you're trying to get a batsman out if you're thinking I was thinking all the other things I wasn't thinking about how I was getting someone out so it's pretty pretty hard to to play good hard consi- uh, consistent cricket. Yeah, I mean you needed and com- uh, needed a complete overhaul, right? Like you said, uh, just not just with the way you were training your body, but uh, with the way you're training your your mind. And I think we're all grateful that it uh, worked out beautifully. I mean, perfectly in in a, in a way. I mean, you came <laughs> back uh, a couple of years later, and uh, you know, just you talk about the 2010 Ashes tour, the next Ashes tour or England's tour of Australia was 2013-14. You speak about that South Africa tour of 2011. The next tour of South Africa was, the again, 13-14, where you know, it was a completely different Mitchell Johnson almost. I mean, not just because you had the moustache going, but uh, you just looked... I mean, I remember watching you uh, uh, from afar. Just at the top of your mark, you, you looked different. Uh, I'm sure there were moments even then that you had a few self-doubts. It's just yeah. natural, but... Yep. You just looked like a different human being almost. Uh, did you feel like it as well? Yeah, I think so. And I, and I reflect back on it now that you're, you're you know, raising this question. I feel like my body language was much better. Like I just showed confidence just in the way I stood, the way I ran in, um, and just the way that I, I guess, was just in general on the field. Um, wasn't overconfident, but I just had that enough confidence to, to know that I was you know, able to do what I needed to do, play my role in the team. And it sort of go, actually, I, I, I tested myself in that 2012 series against Sri Lanka. That's when I first came back into, which was a big test because uh, I got called into the uh, Boxing Day test for in place of Mitchell Stark. 
which was really bad because I felt ordinary that it happened. I had no control over it, but um, you know, he I think he'd missed the one previously, I think, and he they've dropped him again to arrested him for that one again. So I felt really ordinary. I had a good chat with him about it and it, no hard feelings towards me. Um, but I also had issues um, at home as well. We, our daughter um, was going through some stuff. She was only just born and she was in hospital at the time. And um, I remember Jess saying to me the night I was supposed to leave, she goes, we'll just see how she goes and, and, and through this night and, and then we'll make a decision. But um, everything was all sweet and Jess said to me, look, this is your career. You need to go. Um, you've been called back up into the team. This is what you've been working for. And um, I felt really awful. Apparently, when I got to Melbourne, the the staff at the hotel, who you get to know over time because you travel to these same hotels and apparently they, they had... Um, said to someone else, I don't know if it was our physio or team manager, that almost like I wasn't there because my mind was like back home with with you know, a family. So and they said just didn't look like me. Um, but I was able to you know snap myself out of it uh, once Jess sort of like you said was confident that everything was okay. Um, yeah, she was she was happy, and I actually had spoken to Jess's dad. Um, because I was like so worried and I just felt like I shouldn't have been in, in Melbourne. And he goes, if Jess says it's okay, it's okay. Like she's she's okay. So I just had to take that and, and then get myself prepared. Um, and I was able to play that, that series out, I think. And um, it was good to get back and it wasn't my favourite pitch to play on at, at the MCG, but um, I actually really enjoyed just that opportunity again I think being fresh and I was able to you know go through all the processes that I needed to go through and it was totally different it was my focus was yeah how I was getting someone out it wasn't about my my action it wasn't about my head it wasn't about this and that it was purely on like being aggressive um, I think I actually broke a few body parts in that that game I think there was a couple of ribs and Sangakara I got him on the thumb and busted his thumb Got a few runs as well in that that test match, so uh, it all started off pretty good, and yeah, it was it was nice to to play again on a Boxing Day test. Yeah, I mean, you speak uh, about how you know you literally needed Jess to just tell you to go, I mean, because it's such a difficult situation to be in, right? Uh, and it's it's your firstborn, and she's in hospital. You want to be there with her, but at times it helps when people closest to you take those hard decisions for you, because it was. You know, it's, in another scenario, she could have easily said, no, I want you with me right now, right here. And everything looks different. And look, and if she said that, yeah. I would have stayed for sure. And, you know, the outcome of my career could have been different. Um, we don't know. So, look, it all all happens for a reason, I believe. And, um, yeah, I'm just thankful everything was okay. And I was then able to go out there. And, and I guess it was a real test of, of my mindset and how I was going to deal with um, you know issues because we all go through this kind of stuff everyone out there in the middle um, playing sport or anyone in a, in a job everyone they have something on their mind something's happened at home or um, and, but you when you've got to perform you have to find ways to to mentally block that stuff out and, and go out there and focus on your job yeah and 12 months on from there you were back uh, playing a boxing day test humming 
let it go in your head and you were letting go some thunderbolts <laughs> as we all know uh no uh, look this is awesome mitch thank you so much uh, and you know it wasn't until much later on once you were uh, officially done with the sport at least with international cricket that uh, you really did understand a lot more about your mental health when you were diagnosed with uh, depression and and adhd uh, and you know you speak beautifully and candidly about that as well so i'm sure we'll take it up uh, in our next episode uh, but thank you as always for being so open with us yeah thank you and uh hopefully the listeners will enjoy this one it's um i say it's uh like for me it's it's nice to be able to sit here and talk about these kind of things and because yeah we're all human um you might see us out on the on the field and and think maybe we're uh different in some ways um yeah, we've got skills in in other things. It's um, like I said, I, I was privileged, and and I um, you know, I feel like I'm lucky at times that I was able to play for my country and and do well. So yeah, I just hope that the listeners will um will enjoy this one, and um, yeah, we'll continue to talk more on the on the depression and and ADHD stuff um next episode. I'm sure they will and on their part what they need to do is to like and subscribe uh, uh, to our us on wherever they listen to not just this podcast but all their other podcasts on their favorite podcast platforms you know be updated on what Mitch and I are up to uh, each episode comes out uh, on Monday morning uh, Australia time I'm just going to say Australia time I'm not going to break it Australia down <laughs> to <laughs> Melbourne Adelaide Perth or, you know it's all too complicated uh, too many changes yep. way too many changes we're not as bad as the US but still yeah, it is a big country uh, but yeah keep yes. keep listening to us uh, keep uh, you know, leave us a review as well uh, if you like what you listen to leave us a review yeah. if you love what you listen to leave us a 5 star review that always helps us not just grow this podcast but spread the message of love which is what Mitchell Johnson and I are all about he goes to the left he goes to the Podcast Network.